11 games were scheduled in the National Hockey League tonight. We're down to 10. As we've known for quite some time, Toronto Maple Leafs and Calgary Flames. Uh-uh. 10 games scheduled tonight. And the date, the last day the NHL will play games before Christmas is December 23rd. Their schedule, guys, 15 games that day. That seems like an eternity away. Uh, December 23rd, 15 games. I'm Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sam McKee, Derek Brandeo. The crew's back for another run. Real Kipper and Bourne. Man, the December 23rd date with 15 games, like what's that going to look like? It is just every 20 minutes on Twitter, it's another player, another team. Man, that skeptical they play 15 that day. Let's put it that way. What's what's the over-under on games played that day? <laughs> 12 and a half? I'll take a slight under on that. Yeah. Earlier uh, today, I, uh, I sent out a tweet, uh, the issue still from my understanding, uh, late this afternoon with the Florida Panthers. The number I heard, guys, was six, eight guys, uh, a mad dash to to call guys up. I think there were some cap issues as well, trying to fit them in. Everything I've heard so far is I, I think that game's still on. Yeah. But like, this is, this is going to be challenging from here on in, and uh, – you know, Nick Cousins, Nashville Predators, uh, followed up my tweet with, this is getting ridiculous. Yeah. And he's gone into the protocol, right, yeah. now with the, with the Preds? So he's he's living it firsthand at the moment. It it, it has to be tough, whether you have it or not have it. Uh, just the, this whole thing, the, the cloud that's following right back, uh, it, it's it's got to be tough here. You know, and it's not... We are, it, it does feel different. Please tell me, both of you, though, uh, today, compared to where we were a year ago, it is different. Please please tell oh, me you yeah. feel the same way here. Oh, oh 100%. Yeah. Okay. No. All right, we're no, good. It, we were not, yeah. we're, not, we're not thinking that this thing's going to really shut down, do we? No, I, I really don't. I mean, you know, we, we shut down so everyone could, we could buy time and get closer to getting vaccinated and, you know, we're we're pretty heavily vaccinated. The NHL is vaccinated save for one guy. So, you know, no one's getting overly sick. I, I you know, I talked to someone around the Panthers too, and it sounds like everyone's fine, you know, health wise. They, they they do have the COVID, they test positive, but everyone's fine. You know, I Florida the, the another person I talked to down there said their D are so bad right now they're coughing in each other's faces trying to get games canceled they just give up eight to the Senators <laughs> they don't want to play right now but everyone's doing all right I mean I, it's it's going to make for some weirdly non-competitive games not non-competitive but differently competitive based on who the luck of the draw and who gets it who doesn't but they're going to plow on with whatever they got, Kipper. A year ago, the players were nervous if they were going to catch it. There's a chance that uh, you could die. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're right. No one knew. And, I mean, of course, there are people listening going, well, you can. Well, these fully vaccinated 20-year-olds, I feel pretty good about their, their chances They're, of pulling through here. Here in Ontario, what are we at, 85 90%? Yeah. Uh, and, listen, I, I don't... I'm not even going to begin to pretend I know anything about, you know, 
uh, still what the dangers are out there. But, you know, I, I, I'm going to say it, that will we come to a, a point in time, and it's not today, and I get that, but we, will we come to a point in time when, when someone tests positive and can still play? Mm-hmm. Will we, will, yeah, will we get that? Optically, year. we can't do that now. It'll just be... It, there's just no way the National Hockey League could get away with it or or probably any other major sport. But if this thing's going to hang around for another five or ten years, is there a chance that if if you are not checking boxes off like fevers and uh, and coughs and headaches, if you are asymptomatic where we believe, what's the percentage, JB, of the players in, in the league that are asymptomatic? Yeah, could you plus. could you play through that? I said it yesterday. I've played. I've had teammates play. I've played with fevers, you know, a hundred, hundred and one, um, and and still managed to play through it. In hindsight, was it dumb to do that? Yeah. Did you jeopardize maybe other people to catch a flu or or a cold? Yes. But that was that was the pressure on you back then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I. I hear your point. I, I don't think it's going to be this year purely because of optics. Not purely, but largely because of optics. Um, you know, you don't want to seem uh, like you're not doing your best here, but uh, I could see down the road, like, you know, once this thing, you know, what's the word for this? Endemic. As in, it's just going to be around. It's going to be a part of us. Um, you know, guys can play with the flu as it currently stands, uh, stands. Maybe there is a day kipper where that happens. I don't see it coming anytime soon, but I do see what Sammy was talking about yesterday, where like the NFL, they say, all right, it's not a 14 day period after you test positive, you know, let's get through six, seven days. You know, you get a couple of negative tests. You're not contagious anymore. You can get out there something like that. Either yeah, way, just this gonna, is, yeah, this is just the way it's going to be for the next little while. I yeah. just, I think, I think the whole perspective on it has changed completely, on, on all different parts of life. It's not just in hockey. People are just have fatigue towards it, no matter what. And I'm not saying that's the right thing. I'm not saying that's the right perspective. But I just think there's a lot of fatigue going around in terms of how people feel, and the fear has gone away. And that's what yeah. these these NHL players are feeling. You know, like I gotta sit and rot and not play the game. I'm paid well. I love doing. I can't go hang out with the guys because, for what? Because I in name only have a sickness i just i can understand how people and you know people around the world too here not to get too political but just how everyone's kind of feeling it's just we want to get to the end of it people aren't getting that sick they want to play i can understand how they feel but it is about more than them right it's not about them feeling bad it's about slowing the spread so we're not killing you know people who who can't you know who are immunocompromised and all that i i get what you're saying sam it's just it it is a, a tough place right now for the league and for these players. The one things that I think will change is we could see, you know, some of the decisions, the policy decisions linked closer to hospitalizations than cases. You know, that's something that could come that help, you know, could help is, you know, us, you know, not worried so much about how much of it, but how much of it is serious. And, but those changes are not any, coming anytime soon. So for now, we're, for this season, we're stuck with this thing the way it is, I think. Despite the Florida Panthers' challenges going into tonight's game, uh, everything seems to be a go uh, on that front. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, Florida and L.A. still a go. Uh, we got Aaron Ward coming up momentarily, so we'll get his thoughts on uh, on what's going on day to day and uh, whether he'd want to go to the Olympics or not. Uh, Steven Stamkos certainly made that clear. Uh, 
er, earlier uh, in, in his comments. Uh, Mike you don't Kelly, want to be a fringe guy, waffling Kipper. If you're on the fringes, that's right. <laughs> Mike Kelly also uh, is going to crunch some numbers with us, and uh, Emily Kaplan uh, from ESPN is slated to join us as well. So we're jam packed here, and and maybe a, a blessing in disguise for a guy like Jason Spezza, who who maybe can now get Gary Bettman on his side to save a game. Calgary's canceled. Does that is that enable him enough time to save a game here? Yeah, if you're Bettman in the league, you're kind of, maybe you're rolling your eyes at that. Like, oh, we actually got to deal with this good thing now. I think they were just going to try to run the sands through the hourglass and get through it. But unfortunately, it looks like, uh, yeah, they're going to have to reach a conclusion before the games are up. All right, let's go to former National Hockey Leaguer Aaron Ward joining us again. A, a staple on the Real Kipper and Born show now. We're like lost without you. Uh, where, where are you, pal? I am in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I just left uh, work, so I'm kind of it's three o'clock. I, I cut it early. I know it's technically Thursday and it's not Friday, but you know, no one's really watching. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what what what's going on with the Hurricanes here? Because it just seems like uh, we're 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 going through each team now until we hit all thirty-two. Yeah, it's amazing. I I, I know that. Uh, here locally, they're talking so much about the fact that the Canes are going to go ahead and play without two of their what two guys in the lineup. Right? They're going to show up and play the game short. Um, extreme extreme measures have to be taken in extreme circumstances. I can't imagine the way we're headed right now that we're not both destined for some level of a pause in the season and the decision being taken out of the hands of the players that may inevitably have a chance to go on the Olympics. Uh, basically made by the National Hockey League saying we need this pause, we need a, a, a gap in the season in order to reset ourselves and reset our protocols and reset our safety measures uh, in order to have a season. Because the way we're all headed, inevitably, I mean, enough of the guys that I talk to, like kind of the guys that I talk to now are, are players, former, are former teammates that are now removed and, and they're in management or they're out of the coaching. And they say that it's, they feel like they're, they're taking the right steps but the pause is almost to reset and get guys back to a healthy place and away from each other and distant from whatever, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I'm clearly none of us are doctors. We don't know what measures to be taken, but I imagine the NHL has to have a reset with their, their advisors on, on how to handle this. Well, that's interesting. You talk about a pause, like a, an actual NHL plan pause, would that be something that would maybe fall into where the Olympic break was slated or before that, do you think? Well, that's not, I'm saying that, that it, it's, it's, almost, it's almost coming to a logical place that you, you have to make a decision as a player. So there's select few guys around the National Hockey League that have the option to play for your country. In light of that, you have to be fully informed as to what the measures are when you get to China if something goes wrong. So quarantine, clearly they came out and said that if you go into quarantine, essentially it's a hotel, a three- or four-star hotel. Okay, so they're clarifying that. But to be in a foreign land, you have to start thinking about the bigger picture. If you get COVID during the Olympics, who's sticking around China to take care of you? So is Hockey Canada, the Olympic Committee, wh- or whomever, is someone sticking around to be sure that you're okay because China's not going to let you out and you're basically stranded there. So that's something you have to consider. So not just the representation of your country. I think in the immediate future, if I'm an athlete, I'm a pro hockey player, 
I have a livelihood to worry about. I have a family to worry about. I have the future of my career to worry about. Do I really want to wager? Do I want to? Do I want to gamble on the fact that it, it it'd be a great experience? But bottom line, in light of what you just had to go through, and this is where I'm going to take this. Players did not like being in the bubble in Edmonton or Toronto, having nothing to do with cities, having nothing to do with country. They did not like the restriction of their their normalcy, right? The habits. They had to get accustomed to it. So much so that there was rumored strife and, and interactions amongst players on different teams on, you know, couldn't believe that you supported doing this, couldn't believe you're, you're you know, all those things. I don't think players really want to go back to that place. Given an opportunity where the Players Association and the league can sit down together, and inevitably the Players Association sits down with the players, I can't imagine the Players Association doesn't lay it out hard. Simple fact where guys get to say that I'm not willing to go back to a place of having to be confined in an area, and I would like to keep it the way it is right now. Well, and then owners or Gary will turn around and say, you want your money because I don't care how much you hate it. Uh, do you want your money? And I think they have no choice. Well, what happens, right? So, I mean, we're, we're capitalizing right now. I say we, the, the game of hockey. We're capitalizing on an opportunity right now. We have major dollars coming in from ESPN and Turner to to delay or have to cancel or whatever inevitable result happens from the internal pandemic happening within the National Hockey League. I think it's too risky. I think that the sound business decision, I'm just saying this, I'm I'm not getting it from anybody. I'm just looking at this and knowing that at the time, two years ago, people were talking about what happened in Toronto and Edmonton and, and having to play in the same rink with no fans. I think players have a different perspective. And the bigger picture, again, is your career longevity matters. Part of your career longevity is taking care of that HRR, keeping it on TV, keeping your brands and your sponsors together, keeping butts in the seats. Even though there's, uh, I mean, you guys are in Ontario, a rumored reduction in, in, in live occupancy or capacity. I think players get it. They're more business-minded now than ever. And when you start to compare it, this what I have in my hand versus the, the possibility of going over to, 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 to China and playing the Olympics, I'm starting to say North America and continuing what we have going in whatever capacity we can, we can salvage it is, is the option most guys are going to go for. Would you want to do it yourself? Like if you were a player and they said, what do you think? Like you, would you bubble up? Would you be willing to you – know, how would you feel about some of these restrictions that are, the players are having imposed on them right now? So I saw Stamco say he's still still interested in going. I, I yeah. would I would lay it out. I would lay it out if I'm a player of that stature in the National Hockey League. I would put the onus on both the league and my players' association to to make it so I have zero surprises. That if I'm deciding to enter into committing to to represent my country, which I'm not going to get past. It's an honor, right? It's a privilege to wear that. But if you're going to go over there and, and risk your health. I want no surprises. I want guarantees. I want to know with, with full certainty, this is what I'm stepping into. If something goes bad, here's what I'm to expect. If nothing happens, then I'm not concerned. I personally, as I mean, I, I never have that skill set where anybody considered me to wear a, a Canadian maple leaf on, my, on my, my jersey. I can't imagine guys, given a full wealth of information and a consideration of, of the, the negativity that can come with it, really there's going to be a majority of guys that want to do it. I think you're going to end up with American Hockey League, guys play over in Europe, filling in 
uh, in some capacity for the gaps that, that exist because guys are going to opt out. I think a lot of this could be settled if the guys just have the option of getting on a chartered flight and coming home. Correct. That's it. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, look at what okay, so we're Kevin? already dealing with right now. We're dealing with it. In, I mean, the, the, the Carolina Hurricanes had a charter a flight from Van to get their guys out because they had, the, I mean, clearly there's a, there's a protocol and it's for the safety of everybody. It's not just the players. You don't want those players infecting any Canadians in Vancouver. So they went about it and, and had to do it. And it was still like a dog and pony show. Imagine crossing continents and oceans to get that done, where you don't have the luxury of the notoriety and, and, the, and the, the magnitude of your league to accomplish, you know, feats like that. So I, I just, I can't imagine that given, given a full scope, the full picture of what's going on, you're going to have a majority of guys that are listed uh, as potential candidates for the Olympic team deciding that they're confident and, and you're going to go forward and go to the Olympics. Yeah, Kipper, did you have more on uh, the COVID stuff, or am I good to turn the page on hockey? No, nah, we're good to go. We're good. All to right, go. L- let's turn the page. Then. Wait, I, I, I thought wanted... Kipper, the, the, Kipper has his doctorate, doesn't he? I thought he was going to explain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I he's an epidemiologist. Yeah, we all do. Oh, yeah. um, I was going to ask about uh, the Canucks. Was gonna, the, the Vancouver Canucks are a fascinating case study to me right now, Wardo. They uh, they get Bruce Boudreau. They're five and zero. Like, ah, maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's not. What do you see in from what's going on in Vancouver there? You give Boudreaux the credit, or is this just a little run of luck? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give him credit, because sometimes with newness comes a grasp of a concept, right? And we, the biggest complaint about Vancouver Canucks is the same complaint you have about the Montreal Canadiens and the same complaint about the teams that are failing, is that as you watch a game, you struggle to identify what is the system. I mean, Petrie came out and talked about the Montreal Canadiens uh, not having a system. I imagine there's, there's 17, 18 guys that played for Vancouver weeks ago that said the same thing, that going into a game, they weren't exactly sure w- what was happening, who was to do what. What I see from Boudreaux, whether it be the, just the simple change in attitude to have a new guy in there. I mean, my experience of, of, of a coach leaving, there's remorse, like you should have done more. But the moment the guy walks in the locker room, there's a euphoric endorphin that happens to, for all these guys that – you get a reset. You're no longer cast in the negativity of that team and that role you played for that coach. You realize there's an opportunity that lies ahead. Now, there's some pressure with that because you've failed. But to know that you can step into the rink and there's a freshness walking into a locker room with a, with a, with a new presence, a new voice. Boudreaux, to me, is the type of guy that guys would enjoy playing for. I don't know how much the system has helped, but I can say this. Defensively where Vancouver has been an absolute catastrophe, dumpster fire, right? You, you, you have in, in the neutral and in the, in the defensive zone, you can pretty much pick out at least two guys in both, even though the puck's in the defensive zone for Vancouver. Right now, I feel like they're understanding they have a set measure of, of things to accomplish when they get on the ice defensively. Vancouver seems like they're grasping it, and where that parlays, into the game is they're finding a different level of confidence offensively. All these guys that were struggling to put the puck in the net or to find their game are now almost relaxed because the, I don't know, Kipper, do you tell me, do you, do you not remember sitting in a locker room and knowing the shelf life of a coach is expiring and you as a player are affected by your performance because you know the shoe's dropping and you don't know when the shoe's dropping and, and the fact that you're waiting takes away from your focus and, and, your, and your investment? I had guys... 
I would refuse to take their wristwatch off watching it and waiting for it. <laughs> um, so I would I would equate that I'd equate that to that. Vancouver like listen, Benning Benning was dead on arrival. Travis Green was was expiring and guys knew it. And sometimes it's hard to play that. Now that there's there's like I know Jimmy Rutherford, Jimmy Rutherford is gonna do a good job because I don't think he feels a pressure from anybody. He's played in a smaller market in Carolina and had to answer to nobody and, and, and found success. He got to pit, he did his thing, he dealt with stars. I think he has the best of both worlds. He take that knowledge, go to Vancouver, he'll do a very good job of blocking out the noise from media and the fan base and go about systematically reassembling this team. There's many, many pieces there. It's not like it's a, a reset, a retooling of a team. They're there. They've just been all going in the wrong direction. So I believe what he has there is great. Here's the one caveat. Aquilini's have to stop being Jerry Jones. They've got to step mm. out of, of being GMs and presidents and, and coaches, and they've got to be owners and stick to being an owner. Because in Vancouver, there's a certain notoriety of being that coach, and I think, I'm sorry, the, the owner, and it's almost like they've embraced it in some capacity, and the worse it gets, the more involved, and, you know, all these leaks. We know where the leaks are coming from. I think the, 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 <laughs> the team, yeah, the team just needs structure, and part of that structure is an owner staying in his box and allowing the president to be the president, pick a GM, and let the coach be the coach who he is. Next thing you want is Aquilini to, to, to delete his Twitter handle. Well, here's the thing. Most successful owners generally only have to step up and say something in dire, in dire situations. These guys almost embrace it. Like they, they want to be part of the game. And listen, it's their team. It's their full right to do it. But if inevitably what you're looking for is to diminish the, the scrutiny on you as an owner and the team and the players, step aside, let people who do their jobs do them well and, and trust in them. And I think that's, that's where they, they've really they've not helped their situation for a while. So then Daryl Cates in Edmonton um, should be like the perfect mo- uh, role model uh, owner then because the last time I checked it wasn't going so well lately. <laughs> Seriously. Well, hey, listen, all kinds of owners. Like Dundon here in Carolina, he he rears his head sometimes, and other times he's absolutely completely absent. I think you can pick and choose your, your times, and I think sometimes the market dictates it too. It's not like Vancouver is a small market with, with people with no opinions. I mean, you can maybe maybe assimilate to it or, or, or understand it being in, in, in Toronto, but you guys have had a, a decent level of success for, for a while. Van has been sputtering for a very long time, and it's, it's, not a, it's a pretty toxic environment. And it's just clearly getting better now. But for some owners, though, uh, Wardo, uh, you know, it's, it's their identity. I, I think Eugene Melnick's a, a good example in Ottawa. He's probably had a million reasons why he should sell, get out um, on a couple occasions. He, he just doesn't picture himself without this team he he's the kind of guy that that needs it now he's actually done a decent job of kind of curtailing some mistakes that he's had in the past but some of these guys man they they're they're lost without their toy well as an ottawa boy and still having enough people that i i connect with back there the the problem with eugene is eugene has for a very long time alienated a lot of people with both his his timing on what he says and his comportment in the city. I agree that I think it's gotten better, 
But the struggle is if, if you command that much attention and you have that much power and you own a team, inevitably when you need cooperation from a government or whatever entity is going to get you a new building and you've treated them in a manner that isn't exactly shining, uh, I, I think that, that when you try to come up with excuses why it's happening, you, you, you struggle. It, it, you have to pull the thumb. So Eugene's an, Eugene is a, a unique individual. That's the best way I like to put it. Yeah, so we're uh, we're sharing a province here with them. Old Eugene's going down to fifty percent capacity for fans, as we are in, uh, with the Leafs. Um, but the Leafs, you know, looked de- decent in Edmonton recently. Where, where are you at on the state of play with uh, the with Toronto? Obviously, five uh, one was a good one at Edmonton, and now they're about to take on uh, Vancouver and Seattle. Yeah, and, I, and the the funny part was, you know, so Marner's out of the lineup, and and for me, I, I think that's a, a true gauge because. The style in which Toronto plays, the possession, with possession comes high risk. And Marner is such a key cog to orchestrating how that game's played for, Mont- for, 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 for Toronto. I want to see over the course of these games that he's out, how they react. Because we've talked about the struggles defensively. And, and some of the struggles defensively come with that high risk play. You're going to give up chances coming back the other way. I wanted to see the Calgary game. I wanted to see the way in which Calgary plays in your face, uh, they don't lay back. They're not a they're not a type of team that that plays kind of a zone D. They they really attack. I want to see how the likes of of Tavares and and uh, and Nylander Kerfoot uh, those guys are going to have to pick up the the I guess the attention that Matthews is still garner from Calgary. So where they're going, I I feel positive about them. Like the truth is, like they're 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 playing inc- incredibly well under tough circumstances. Sandine, although you know a relatively young guy, you started to see him really catch on to what his role was and what was expected of him, and he's starting to find consistency. And I think he was getting the trust of not just his teammates but the coaching staff. The the road trip for any team struggling or or having a fantastic season is always a, is always a test. And getting out and getting a five one win against a team like Edmonton that is prime for the picking. I truly believe that Toronto saw an opportunity in Edmonton, the Achilles heel in Edmonton is their decor. And it's still got to be addressed. Bringing on Duncan Keith for, for Kenny Holland isn't the answer. I think if Edmonton truly wants to get to a place they want to be at, they, they need to address their defensive abilities. And Toronto did an incredible job playing the style of play they always play in the absence of the key guys that, that help execute that for them. So uh, I, I see... For for all the rest of the Canadian teams that that or and the Canadian provinces that hate the team in Toronto, I think Toronto's got uh, some success lying laying ahead. Hey Wardo, I know I got to get you out of this thing. Uh, uh, you got a busy schedule, but be honest with me. Were you one of those guys that uh, we you know when I when I played with the Rangers, we had a couple of ice storms, and I managed to get to the rink early. But I'm just praying that like two other left wingers are cutting traffic and I want, please tell me you were one of those guys too. Truth be told, we had a snowstorm in Boston and Z showed up and Dennis Weidman was, was running late. He was really running late. And and we had uh, Andrew Ferentz was running late. And I'm thinking to myself, um, this could be good. So I, I go by jokingly to, uh, to, to Ramsey, uh, Craig Ramsey. I'm like, Hey, uh, start prepping uh, your, your power play for me. And he goes, you, you you can't one time a puck from the bench. And I knew right there there was still no chance. <laughs> Good, great. I'm not the only selfish son of a.
on this show. Yeah, I just I just wanted a chance, one chance. Just give me a chance. Give me a chance. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much for doing this. Always fun. All right, thanks, guys. Aaron Ward, former National Hockey Leader and selfish SOB when it comes to ice time, just like me. That's relatable. I mean, uh, I was telling you guys yesterday that I played uh, in the ECHL where you have 10 forwards a game. You get a sickness or someone pulls a hammy, you're down to nine, you're down to eight. It's not so bad. Three lines. (laughs) Yeah, just ready to go, Kiffer. I love that. I love that. It actually, it is really good for staying in the flow of things. But as I said, you know, you, you, a couple of penalties or something, the bench is down to six well, guys. It's pretty ugly. There's nothing There's nothing worse than a beer league when there's one extra guy. When it's like there's, you know, you have two oh, full yeah. lines. That guy should go home. And then it's 11 guys or whatever, and you're just like, oh, my God, we're completely out of the rhythm. It screws things up. It's like when NHL teams go to the 11 forwards and 7D and it just the whole team looks completely out of sync the entire game. I hate when they do that. One guy on the bench might as well be no guy on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're a no. suck in wind no matter what. <laughs> yeah. All right, listen, I want to I want to change it up a little bit because, uh, uh, you know, with the Leafs off tonight, uh, not much more to really discuss there except, you know, making calls in the last little while. And, uh, you know, we're still a ways away from the trade deadline. But it's come to my attention that uh, the one guy that's probably garnered more, more calls than any, any player out there right now, believe it or not, is Jacob Chikrin from yeah. Arizona. And, you know, what I find so interesting about Jacob Chikrin is the fact that he, this guy... It, when you start hearing names around Christmas and after the new year, it's it's just towards contending teams. This guy is getting almost the attention of every team in the league. Well, who wouldn't want that ca- that contract right now? Well, and 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 I can tell you, the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of them, JB. And what? To your point, to your point that. Uh, this is a defenseman that plays 25 minutes a night. This is a defenseman going into this season, I think has scored 30 goals in the last two years. This season obviously is a write-off when you look at their team and what's happened to them and maybe where he is statistically. He's he's leading the league for the Masters here. He's dashed 29 yeah. this year, fellas. Yeah, well, and, and he listen, plays a lot on a bad team. That I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's just no way to judge Jacob Chikrin season on that team and what's happened to them. So I think there's, there's teams out there right now and JB, you hit it right on the nail on why this guy is so attractive. 23 years of age, 4.6 million for three more years. If you are, if you happen to make a deal with Arizona you get this guy for four Stanley Cup tries at $4.6 million when you see guys who are now, I think, comparable at double the price at $8, 9000000 million a year. I, it's easy to see, JB, why he is so attractive, including the Toronto Maple Leafs at $4.6 million. They could make that work. So They could make that work? Yeah, I yeah. mean, they'd have to send something. So the question is, is you know, 
how not what first round round pick is it how many first round picks here is it well what's what are we thinking yeah that's that's where the uh, i went with a couple of uh uh people that uh, i trust uh and and the conversation is that value of that contract is incredibly unique Mm -hmm. so this one would garner the attention of a jack eichel four pieces wow that I would mean, include. The so, what was Jack? To do that. Jack was Tuck, good player. Kreb, a first rounder. Yeah, a first and a second, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So there, there's four pieces. That's what Arizona Arizona would be looking at to move Jacob Chikrin. Uh, I mean, that's reasonable of them to start there as an ask. You would expect that the bar would be lower than Eichel, but maybe because of Eichel's injury, it kind of puts them on the same plane. Is that fair to say? I would think the 4.6 would actually uh-huh. raise um, him yeah. him up to uh, Jack Eichel. You're not fighting 8 or $9 million to squeeze in. And that's why, again, Boston, Toronto, they would be like knocking on the door trying to make this trade. Arizona, my understanding would be to go to the lesser teams right now and say you can get up a 23-year-old yeah. if you've got uh, the draft picks and the prospects that can can help us speed up our process here. Uh, and, and, and knowing, JB, that those picks on, on the bottom end teams right now, like Montreal, have a better chance to be a, a 10 or 11 or 12th overall pick, unlike yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs at 27. Well, and not to mention, Kipper, just like if you are one of those rebuilding teams looking to turn the corner, like, you know, he, you're not trading for a guy who's ready in five years. Like, you can kind of start turning the corner now, like a Detroit who you think is close or an mm-hmm. Anaheim who you think is close. Like, this is a guy who kind of launches you into a, you know, fr- <laughs> this is a guy who would make you do what uh, Dorian claimed and say the rebuild is over, you know? So, um, so I, you have a big pool to draw on there. But when it comes to trading for a guy like this, you know, when there's all these different cut types of teams that are looking at him, right? Like, there's not many teams in the league that wouldn't be interested in a Jacob Chikrin. I think you kind of have to get lucky, know that they covet what you have in your system. You know, they have the pick of the litter of all these prospects across all the different, you know, teams in the league. You kind of have to be somewhat lucky that they like your guy. I mean, who would be the least guys that, you know, are top prospects that they'd be interested in? It's just... Gotta be Amarov, right? For sure, but the drafting over the past few years has kind of left a little bit to be desired. They haven't had a lot of picks. They have Their guys aren't knocking yeah. down the door, this, you know? This conversation just starts with sanding it just oh, starts oh my oh it well, just starts they're gonna want a young defenseman back for a young star in jacob chikrin jb it starts yeah. with sandine yeah the last thing you want to be is that team who falls in love with their own people you know, like, it happens to everyone. Everyone thinks that their prospects are the best, their players mm-hmm. are the best. Like, if you go from Sandine to Chikrin, you're better immediately. But it, and that's not even a conversation. And, and Sandine is now looked upon as, 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 a, as a five or six who's just starting his career out. As of today, right. But, but, but Chikrin, with upside. Chikrin comes in as a one-two with Morgan Riley. Yeah, he's immediately it's, on that second pair. I... 20 minutes it's a night. 20, tough that he's two, left, 24. 
Yeah. Tough that he's a left shot, guys, because what do you do? You got Riley, Muzzin, and Chikrin all on the left side. I mean, nice to have good players, but, you know, the puzzle pieces thing is yeah. always tough to figure out. Well, Babs isn't coaching anymore. He can make him play on the other side, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, um, you're going to give up a first in Amarov and no, Sandy no, and then no, flip I'm, a guy to his offside or no, whatever the deal is, you know. What about, again, if you're if you're the Leafs and you are targeting someone like a Jacob Chikrin, uh would you flip one for one Willie Nylander for Jacob Chikrin? No. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. No. I Willie's mean, been too good on that number. That number's just, he's been so can, good can this you, year. Can, that can, you still, can you still provide offense, though? Without him? Without him. I just think he's so important to that second line. You know, it's just, you have the top line with Matthews and Marner, and just having the ability to go into that second line with two more elite guys that almost cave in every other team's second line, I think is a huge, one of the big advantages of the Leafs. I, I hang up the phone if they're asking for Willie. I really do. He's just been I, too good. I, I guess the one thing with the Leafs is that the whole thing has been contingent this whole time on this plan of out elite talenting people out front. You have that core four, and we've said so many times when they miss one of them, they just look so much worse. Yeah. You know, could could you still be the same offensive threat if the you know you only have as many elite players and I as think other it's, teams? Like the way things have gone here in the past four or five years with Kyle Dubas at the helm, it's pretty much don't you, it's kind of a non-starter here. One of the big four, I think he's dug in pretty deep with these guys. Like yeah. as long as he's here, they're here, kind of thing. Don't you think? I think it's something that they have to consider still on that blue line to win a Stanley Cup. A Jacob Chikrin would be a difference maker on that blue line. Yeah, I but I guess Willie. if Arizona doesn't want Willie, though, how, how like about that's, that doesn't work with their timeline. How yeah. uh, why doesn't it work with their timeline for Willie? What's he, 20? What's their timeline, though? Five? Well, when, Willie's, presumably they want to be good in Willie's, four years. Willie's just starting. He's in his mid-20s. Chikrin's 23. Uh, you're, you're, in that, you're in that ballpark. Yeah, I, I guess I also want to know, like, what are the requirements of putting a real NHL team together? Like, is the league okay with Arizona stripping it so badly down to the bolts that they're a laughing stock? Like, who's left in Arizona? Well, who's on that team? It's also funny, like, yeah, Chick- you Keller, could just, you could just Keller, keep- Kessel, yeah. and Chikrin. You could those, are the Chikrin only, too. those are the only decent names that you would think have high-quality return. Yeah. Could, I gotta believe Castle's gone. Yeah. So hold on, let me throw one more at you, Sammy. Let me have it. All right, William Nylander for Jacob Chikrin, and the guarantee that Jack Campbell has enough money now to oh, resign. That's how you're putting it to me here now, eh? I mean, that's a great point. I can't, mm-hmm. I cannot argue with that point, Kipper. I really can't. But I just, I like I said to you before, it's a moot point to me with the trading of any of the core four while Kyle Dubas is in charge. Do you not agree, Borny? Forget Kyle. I'm no, talking to you, You Sammy. don't agree? I don't ag- no, I don't agree. I think he, you're you trying think to win a Stanley Cup, and it, no. the, like, you don't care who's in the the, the laundry. Mm. You know, if you think you can get better, it's. Yeah. I think he'd, he'd do it if he thinks he can get better. I, I just don't know if Arizona's so going to want you him. Trade, so you trade Willie for Chikrin, like you're saying, and then so that gets you how much extra in cap space? Two million and something? Three. Three. And then that gives you a little extra to play with 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 Campbell. Cap goes up another million. Yeah, I Kessel's mean, money comes off your your cap. You're pretty smart, eh, Kip? Things you say to me. I'm just we're, we're just trying to. It's it's the old <laughs> balancing act. That's all. I 
if I'm, you know, there's a ton of teams that want him, though. They got, you got to be careful getting in a bidding war here because he's a guy that everybody's going to want. Good player. He's a good player. Good hockey. Good player. Good player. Okay, <laughs> let's take a break. We'll let Sammy digest that one for the next couple of minutes, and we're right back here with Mike Kelly, hockey analyst, specializing in analytics on the NHL Network and Sports Logic. Back after this break. The code word for today's episode to text 590-590 to qualify for your shot to win Leaf Sends tickets on January 1st is assist. That was a fun little exercise. Trading trading, uh, for top four defensemen on the Toronto Maple Leafs and watching Sammy's blood boil. Waiting on Mike Kelly, hockey analyst. Bring us all those analytic numbers, yeah. JB. Maybe we'll. What's uh, that? He's gonna he's gonna crunch all these numbers for us. Yeah. Maybe the 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 number I want the most uh, is is what are the analytics on the Leafs uh, avoiding COVID so far? They have. Uh, what what are the odds of that, eh? Now. Kimber, I'm I'm sure, I think you set off a firestorm I, with the Nylander stuff, too. This is going to be fascinating. Oh, no. What comes of this? <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's a touchy us, subject. Joining us, Mike Kelly. Me just uttering the words, the Leafs avoiding um, COVID, is that like saying uh, the word shutout uh, before the game's over? <laughs> I'm not a believer in that. You know, I'm. Uh, I know some people think you put the hex on them when it happens. It's, it's been pretty funny on broadcast where it's happened a couple times, like right before a goal gets scored. But that's not what I believe. That's good. I like your anti-jinx mentality. Um, oh, yeah. We were we were just discussing the possibility of the Jacob uh, Chikrin potentially getting traded and potentially going to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you know, because we're a Maple Leaf show. But the guy's like dash mm-hmm. 6,000 on the year. That's my analytics for you today. What, what, what are your <laughs> thoughts on, on Chikrin as a player? Do you have any? Am I putting you too much on the spot? No, I, uh, uh, just, no, just look, for the record, I, I, I look at it and I, I – I see where they are as a team and what's been going on. And this is a write-off season for me. I, I, I couldn't care about his dash. That You're kind of going where I was going, Kipper. That's, that's what I'm thinking, too, is that, okay. that team this year is so bad, I guess we'll say. Um, it's really hard to evaluate anybody there. We know what Chikrin uh, can do. He scored a ton last year and, you know, not not – something we'd expect him to continue on he was on a pretty big heater and percentage wise and all that but he's he's a really good player he's only 23 uh, you remember as well and uh moves the puck really well he's got a great shot um you know power play great shot uses it as well uh, good defender one of the things that he's always near the top of the league in is, is separating opponents with a stick uh, i think he led the league last season uh in doing that so he's he's a guy that can defend well enough, you know, you wouldn't know that with the plus minus, but again, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and, you know, a great, great thing to kind of talk about, I guess. But when, when I think about Chikrin, I, I think that's the one guy they would not trade. Um, they love him down there and I don't see them trading him. Um, he, he, li- he likes it there as well. Um, so I, I just don't think that's, if there's one guy they're not going to move, uh, it's him. But the, is there out? Is there a team out there that would pay the premium of knowing as early as this year they could have him 
for four more cracks at trying to win a Stanley Cup at $4.6 million. When I watch the Jacob Trubas and the Darnell Nurses of the world up around 8 or $9 million. And this guy at almost half price to me is just a, mm-hmm. a huge pickup, Mike. It is, for sure. Um, I guess you'd have to look at what teams... Um, you know, what teams would need that type of defenseman? All of them. Uh, I, I, yeah, All of them. Yeah. Anyone's going to benefit from having Chikrin. There's no doubt about it. I, I think for Toronto, you're better with Chikrin. And if you're talking about trading a forward, um, I, you know, personally, I wouldn't want to trade Nylander for Chikrin if I'm Toronto. Um, but if you're talking about trading a forward to get that defenseman, your decor is better no matter what, no matter what your needs are. I, I still think for Toronto, um, they could probably benefit from a bit more of a shutdown type guy who you don't have to pay that premium for. Um, you know, some Leaf fans might cringe at this, but maybe somebody in the kind of Ben Sherratt mold. Uh, I, I, I don't think they're that far off. Like Toronto's a good defensive team still. Um, they're, they're not, you know, it's not the glaring weakness that it was a few years ago. So you, you, we all think that uh, we're going to see another round of a first rounder and a prospect or first rounder and a draft choice for the, the Ben Sherratts of the world. That's that's more likely, you think. Everyone's talking about trading for him, yeah. Yeah, but, but I the, the, the Leafs went through it with Felino and got burned really bad last year. Like, they just... Yeah, he's hurt. Well, then, you know, don't trade for him, you know. <laughs> and why, Fair enough. Don't give him a first rounder if you think you're getting damaged goods. It's that, that simple, but I just think when you when you... When you can lock into a guy for four more years at that price, man, you, you're going to have to give up something really nice. Yeah, you, well, maybe it'd be a guy like Nylander. Um, I, I, see, I, I just wouldn't do it because I think, I think Nylander is an unbelievable player. Um, he, he was great in the playoffs last year. And I guess for me, yeah. it's, it's what, what are you getting? What are you giving up? And you, you balance that with a trade like the one you're talking about, which is very interesting. Um, you also balance it with something a little lesser. And, and that's, I guess, the route I'd go, which makes for horrible sports talk on the radio. I, I understand <laughs> that. But, uh, look, for me, it's the same thing with Toronto. Um, the, the, it's not a lack of skill why they haven't gone past the first round. It's, it's almost too much. Uh, it's, not, it's not knowing when to make certain plays and, and when to force things. And once they get over that hump, and I go back to Tampa all the time with this when they lost to Columbus in a sweep after winning 62 games, and then they won the Stanley Cup the next year. Uh, and, they, yeah, they got a few new players and that play in a different mold a little bit, and Toronto kind of followed that template too uh, last year. But fundamentally, up and down the lineup, they got the buy-in from their star players to not make certain plays at certain times um, and manage the game a little better, and it helped. It's not why they turned it around entirely, but it helped. I think that's what Toronto needs to do. It's not so much who they don't have. Yeah, you know, I'm interested by, you know, I sh- we had a whole list of topics to go over with you, but I'm still fascinated with this trade stuff. And Sherratt is an interesting name that I see, you know, the rumor mill, you know, who's traded for Ben Sherratt? 16 teams, you know, like so many teams are like, we'll just trade for Ben Sherratt. Is he good? I mean, you know, I watch the guy all the time. You know, what do you make of this player? Is he someone who would materially change the look of, of the Leafs decor if they were able to get a guy like that? I, again, I just I think it helps. I, I I really worry for Toronto about that that kind of fourth spot in the top four. Um, you know, hasn't really worked out well with Justin Hall this year and Lilligren, Sandine. Like Sandine's been great, I think, in in you know the role that he's played. But um, 
I still think they need that that kind of kill a possession, kill a cycle defender in their own end when you're talking about the playoffs, especially as you go forward in the playoffs. Now ben Chirot was really good for Montreal um, in the run that they had. He's a guy that wins a lot of puck battles. He gets on rebounds. They're nothing that's going to really show up in a highlight pack, but um, something you can depend on. And because, I, you know, I don't think Toronto's – I know they haven't gotten out of the first round, uh, but I don't think they're that far away from, um, you know, being able to compete with the roster more or less that they have. Like, Tasha was a great move. Bunting was a great move. Um you know, they made some really nice moves already. So I think they're just a kind of a tinker away from being in a pretty good spot. Mike, sitting at the top of the scoring leaders, Ovechkin. Like, we're used Great. to seeing that with the goals, but not the points and not the 25 assists in 29 games. He's on pace to have 70, which would be a career year for him. And what are the numbers telling you on what has he done for this to happen? And can it really continue? It's crazy. So um, the assists are the biggest thing at even strength that, that's different. And normally, Kipper, uh, and I usually get like pushback on this because we all like to kind of follow the trends of the results and all that, but normally it's like, yeah, unsustainable scoring. That's why it's a heater or, or assists or whatever. All of his passing stats in the offensive zone are higher this year than they've been in, in recent years. Like just the amount of passes he's making, the areas that he's getting them to, the chances he's helping generate for his line mates, they're all up higher than they've been in the last four or five years. Um, so he's, he's piling up assists, but he's, he's making plays. And uh, the crazy thing for Ovi for me is that he's nine points clear of anyone else in the league in even strength scoring in terms of points. He hasn't been in the top 10 in the league in even strength points in 10 years. And he's nine points clear of everybody. And he's 36. Like, <laughs> I thought this is where it's like, all right, specialist Ovi's starting to come in and he's just going to hang out in that one-timer spot and, you know, kind of do his thing as he gets older. But he's doing stuff he hasn't done in a decade, which is, is just mind-blowing to me. Like, I don't, I don't know how you guys at 36 feel. I'm 38 now, and you guys are better athletes than me, but... You know, I turn the wrong way when I'm opening the fridge and I'm in trouble. How would you like to be Backstrom back and and go, um, God, if this guy falls off, it's it's me. <laughs> so much pressure. How's Backy going to get his assist? That's, uh, <laughs> hey, he got, he got, I like that he got the apple on the uh, 274 power play goal, the Ty Anderchuk. It's just fitting. His first game back, mm-hmm. right? He's, he's teed up a lot of those. So, you know what? Um, I said this a few weeks ago, too. Um, I think you make an argument that Evgeny Kuznetsov might be their best forward this year or, or, you know, pretty darn close, which is crazy considering what Ovi's doing. But Kuznetsov's kind of, you know, the bus driver out there um, who does a a lot of puck moving and and, uh, setting up chances and all that too. So, um, yeah, the Ovi, the Caps in general, I didn't see it being what it is this far into the season. So hats off to them. Yeah. Mike, I know you're a busy guy, so last one for me. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on something I saw you tweet about earlier is the Canucks and their success. We talked with Aaron Ward about it earlier, but you had mentioned there are some specific stylistic changes that have actually happened since Boudreau took over. Yeah, the one, you know, I'm going through the numbers. I'm watching the video, and also you think about what Bruce Boudreau kind of preaches, and that's he wants to move the puck up the ice quick and, and get going. 
And um, when, when it, one thing that I'm looking at is regroups. So, you know, a team gets the puck out of the defensive zone, throw it in the neutral zone, whatever. You collect the puck. What are you doing with it? And for Boudreaux, it's, it's get the puck back up the ice quickly is, is how he likes to play. The Canucks weren't doing that. And, you know, I kind of understand why. I think when Travis Green was there, understanding that Vancouver's defense is, is definitely the weakness of the team, I think he tried to protect them with the forwards a little bit and it came at the cost of offense a little too much maybe towards the end Boudreaux it's just regroup quick up let's go and since he's taken over in those five games uh, their numbers in terms of how many of these regroups uh, are quick ups as the next play how many of these quick ups are leading to zone time leading to chances leading to goals it's top five in the league and it was bottom three um, before he took over so that's the real noticeable stylistic change if you're, you're watching the Canucks play tonight um, you know, a bunch of times in a hockey game, you'll see a puck get chipped out and just watch Vancouver make that first play right back up the ice. Uh, they've been generating some good looks that way. And, um, and then the goaltending has been pretty good and away you go. Bruce, there it is. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, he is the biggest star right now. They've won six in a row, it's but so he's, good. he is the biggest star right now. Appearance fees must be astronomical out there in Vancouver for him. I love it too, and yeah. I love how he said he hates the Bruce. There it is. It just yeah. makes it I even know. better. But, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it up. To root for. But but I will bring it up in my press conference, right? My post game press <laughs> oh, yeah. conference. Well, we'll we'll see if uh, it continues against San Jose tonight, uh, Vancouver. Hey, Mike, really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, anytime, guys. Enjoy the games tonight. Mike Kelly, analytics guru on the NHL Network and Sports Logic. Mike is hockey Google. You just plug in your question. He's got an answer for everything. Don't we all really? <laughs> well, I got an answer, but I like the odds that his is right. <laughs> uh, we mentioned Ovechkin. Um, Austin Matthews right back at it with Ovi uh, for Rocket Richard. Um, not that I, I'm one of those guys that says, you know, let's go back and check the tape. Oh, let's not. But did we not say... I three and a half weeks ago that Matthews is capable of scoring 12 goals in 10 games. Well, Did we I not? think you, you and I gave Matthews a chance. I remember McKee yeah. saying that Matthews didn't have a, a, a sniff of catching over. Oh gosh. I don't remember. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't remember that part. Yeah. He's smoking hot. He's shooting the puck in the net a lot. And I guess it was due to change because the, he you know, it wasn't going in a lot at a rate where he usually scores a lot more. So he's been unbelievable. And yeah, he's what is he now? Three behind? He One is behind uh, behind dr- dry sidle 23, Ovechkin 21, Matthews 20. Yeah, maybe you'll have the lead league by the time the Leafs get back to Toronto. <laughs> I mean, him shooting on Koskinen from the hash marks is yeah. not a fair fight. Yeah. So. But. That was uh, that was pretty decent. The Ovechkin league lead at five on five points thing is blowing my mind. I don't know what to make of that stat. Like, I, you know, I, I guess I've just been expecting the drop off to come for so long. Boy, five on five play to be that much better than how, the next guy. How much Unreal. is he playing this year? I feel like they've had a lot of injuries in their bottom of their of their lineup. Like, I don't know if he's playing more than he has in the years past because of maybe yeah. the maybe the necessity yeah. of it. Is that you is, know what he's, he's averaging almost twenty two minutes. And what is he? I feel like that's I, high. I just don't. Yeah, that's really high. Yeah, 
for splits. Guy that doesn't kill penalties. Takes a lot of time in the power play, though. Well, he's soaking it all in. Yeah. He's out yeah, there for holy a full smokes. Too. But yeah, he so does. This year, he does. Twenty-two pick minutes it, last year was nineteen and a half. He, he does pick his spots on when to really push, or you know, yeah. Like he's got a lot of that Brett Hall in him, where it's just like Holly just kind of floats around, finds that soft ice, and just boom, it's in the net. Smashes one home. So you say he's playing almost three minutes more per night, then? Yeah, two and a half. Yeah. So then, I mean, there. I'm not going to say that's why he's leading the league in points, but when you're on the ice more, you get more opportunities to score. And Ovi, as he's shown. Pretty good at that. So. <laughs> and it wasn't that long ago where we were talking about Kuznetsov with the Washington Capitals winning a Stanley Cup and easily could have been the Conn Smythe winner in 2000 and what now, 18? Mm-hmm. And he's back. We were talking about this guy being corned beef in the summer. <laughs> Done. Traded. Get him out. Had the suspension. It's funny. You just look at the Caps and you think one of these years it's going to fall off and they're not going to be one of these teams that's contending. And, like, they're in the playoffs every year and right back at right back at it. Second in the Metro, you know, sc- got the OV scoring again. It's like, what year is this? Is this just going to continue for all of time? Like, when is this ever going to slow down? They're just always right there. It's a good reminder for me to not consider the aging curves as, uh, of the greats the same way you look at the aging curves of most players. Like, I know Tom Brady is right now far and away different than what we've seen before mm-hmm. at 45, but, like, you know, Obi's 36. He's not 106. No, you know, right. it's he's one of the all-time great goal scorers. I'm not sure why I've been expecting it to come so soon, but same with Sid. Like, you know, okay, Sid been waiting for that fall off a couple year or two ago. A guy was in the Hart Trophy discussions. He looks great again. Like, yeah, but isn't know. that a like a life thing too? When I'm seven and I saw you know somebody at fifty, I'm like, yeah, yeah. you'll be dead any minute now. <laughs> and now I'm like fifty five, and I'm like, is, is an eight year old looking at me going? Yeah, probably. Well, yeah. <laughs> I've reached this. Sta- I've reached I, I, on Twitter. What am I? Yeah. Oh yeah. Dinosaur. Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm a dinosaur. There you go. I did Di- it. I'm the dinosaur. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that's it right there. Well, I mean, I'm already looking at Ovi. You know, I'm seeing teenagers and they're terrifying me already, boys. And yeah. I'm only thirty something. So you're not you're not thinking uh, uh, there's twenty one year olds in the league right now, twenty two year olds uttering, "Oh my God, look at that old man." About Ovi? Yeah. He's gray, too. I know I he's think great. That, that does, I know that, he's great. No, no, he's gray. gray hair, his hair. Oh, yes. It, yeah, you know, like, it, that affects it. And when he grows it out, man, he, he he looks old. Oh, yeah, he looks really old. But you know what? He steps onto the ice, puts on that bucket. He kind of looks like it's 2008 again. And I got to say, so, some of the way these Russian guys age is really, I mean, they don't look sprightly when they get older. It's uh, obvious looking. He's looking all the 36. One of my favorite things to say is the, is the Russia face. And it's like, he's got, like, it's there. You know, it's like the guy that <laughs> the guy that coaches them internationally. I swear he's coached every Russia international, juniors, women's. And yeah. it's like the same guy that does it all. And he's always 26. Tend- <laughs> <laughs> So the Washington Capitals, 17, 5, and 7 in the Metro Division, but it's the Rangers that sit up top at 19, 7, and 3. And we go, how exactly? Is this just Jacob Truba running everybody over? 
I just don't think that division is what we thought it was. You know, going into this year, it was all the Metro's got so many good teams are stacked. I mean, there's some flawed teams. The Islanders obviously are not what we thought they were. The Flyers are no good. You know, Jersey's not very good. Columbus is Columbus. Like, I don't know. Yes, the Rangers are atop of that division. They're obviously doing something right. But I think the actually good teams who appear to be Rangers, Capitals, and Carolina uh, are feasting on some, I think, teams that are worse than we expected. That's a good point, you know, and even Carolina's come back down to earth a little bit since that crazy start. Like, I, I don't know. I, I would love to see the Leafs play Carolina now. You know, remember we watched that game uh, during that streak where the Leafs were just like right at the start of the year where the sky was falling and we said they weren't going to make the playoffs. And well, maybe I didn't say it. we none of us said that, did we? Then we were talking about tapes going back to that. But, you know, it just feels like that was an eternity ago. And it looked like the, the Carolina Hurricanes at that point were playing a different sport than the Leafs. They were just so much faster, so much better than them. Now it's kind of flipped. So, uh, yeah, that division, I, you know, if the Leafs are going to be at the top of the, the, the division that they're in and they have to play somebody a wild card from the Metro, I wouldn't necessarily be that terrified of a team coming out of there as opposed to having to play the Tampa Bay Lightning or maybe even the, um, the, the Cats, the Florida Panthers. You know, outside you know, of... Yeah, I was just going to say outside of Chris Kreider, right? it's not like anybody's tearing it up. Nice. Of course, you got Fox. Every time he's out there, he's going to control a good portion of, of the game. But it, it, it hasn't led to Panarin, uh, you know, going on a, a huge run here. I think he's got nine goals in 29 games, which is... It, a lot of it is the goalie kept. Oh, no, oh, for yeah. sure. Shesterkin is, is the whole thing. But you know what's a statistical truth that, like, always bears itself out is goal differential. Right now the Capitals are plus 25, the Carolina Hurricane are, pl- are plus 27, and in first place the Rangers are plus 10. Mm. Like, they're not, they, they're not on par with the Capitals and, and, and Hurricanes. Same, you know who's leading the Pacific today? The Anaheim Ducks. You know they're they're plus fifteen while Calgary's plus twenty five. Like so, some of these teams are going to come back to earth here. The Rangers and Ducks amongst them. You know the one thing too about Shesterkin is that he, he's he's kind of like Mrazek a little bit. Where if if he's just not feeling it with his groin, he's not playing. Yeah. And there's just some guys that can find a way to battle through that. But mm-hmm. you know Shesterkin right now, it, this guy wants to feel a hundred percent healthy, and if he's not. Uh, I, I don't know where the Rangers go, but uh, good on them so far. Uh, Gerard Gallant has done an unbelievable job uh, bringing that group together, and if it is Shesterkin for the most part, so be it. So I'm just looking to some news starting to trickle in from uh, Lee's practice here, and Richie has returned to the team, so whatever it was ailing him, he's feeling better, so he's, he's with them. They have him skating on the third line with Kampf and Mikheyev, Uh Obviously, Kasha still up on the top line. And Clifford Engvall-Simmons as your fourth line with Sini out because apparently hurt his finger, got a cut on his finger. So maybe he's out for a while. But, yeah, so that's that's the... the and they still got Muzzin and Lilligren. Muzzin and Lilligren still skating together. Dermot and Hall still skating together. So let, let me just red flag. Got a cut on his finger? Well, he got a cut on his finger, laceration, broken finger, something bad happened to his finger. I don't know what happened to his finger. He's picking his nose. I don't know what happened, but he's... Zesting a lemon in the, <laughs> yeah. between games? Didn't so there you go. Hey, JB, didn't you cut your finger on the uh, in the studio about a month ago, a month and a half yeah, ago? Was, you did? You know, I, was, I was leaking all over the place, and the kid stuck it out. What? Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> I, I cuffed him when he wasn't looking. Uh, so, <laughs> I'll, I'll be inter- I'll be interested to see what Richie can do. I, I don't know with Camp and McKayev. I don't think that's a great mix. No, it's bad actually. That you know, is a not it's a just a weird addition. looking line. 
I, you know, it, you put Richie back on the team, and I just watched that Edmonton game. And you're like, boy, I didn't really miss him a whole lot, but we'll see. Maybe he's going to start scoring some goals, some offense from Nick Richie. What do you think? Well, maybe not playing with Camp and McKayev. That's not a great. Like, what are you wanting? What are you it. trying to make him into here? Like, it just feels to me with him that they've been trying to make him into a bunch of different things. Like, oh, they put him on the top line to score. They put him on the, the fourth line to hit. They put him on the third line to shut him down. Are they just trying to see what he can do? Or, like, what are they doing with him here? 52, Sammy. 52. Yeah. Games left? Yes. Relax. Yes. Relax. <laughs> we talking hey, about the Kipper, Leafs here or no? Fi- you can't, 52 Kipper. games Tw- 22. To go. 22. That's how many Richie has left before the deadline. (laughs) (laughs) Easy, boys. Easy. All right. We'll take a quick break here. Emily Kaplan from ESPN. We'll get her thoughts on Olympics, COVID, and so much more. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, after the break.